eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome again to another week, another podcast and another fantastic week of college football action. Uh, looking back uh, this week, looking back at another exciting week and also going to preview the Pac-12 conference which returns to our lives this weekend, final Power 5 conference to get going this season. Guys, welcome you all in. Joined by Kieran, Andy and Rob this week. Rob, come to you first. How is everything going with the new edition after a couple of weeks away? Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks away. It's felt like a few months away, to be honest. Um, late nights, sleepless nights, mm. uh, and I'm really, really glad it's it's May and the summer's just around the corner. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah, glad everything's <laughs> going well, mate. Yeah, um, for yeah, sure. Everything's good. Everything's good, good, good stuff. Um, yeah, so we're going to kick off. Obviously, we've got a few games to talk about. Quite a lot of of games to get into this weekend. Um, I think me and Andy covered it in the, on Monday on our winners and losers, but a few shocks, a few games that went the way that it should have done, and then one absolute disaster zone, eh, mate, Kieran? I'm going to come to you it's... first for this, get this out of the way. We're going to talk about this more positive things later on, so we'll get this done. Okay, guys, um, just we're, we're going to start with the hashtag. There's the hashtag we're starting on this podcast. <laughs> I want to see it trending on Twitter. I don't know if our reach is that far, but we're, we're going to do this. Fire Bo Bellini. Gar- Pellini, sorry, I can't even pronounce his name. It makes me feel sick. He's terrible. We need to get rid of him. He he is a bad college coach. He was at five years at Youngstown State, which is a terrible, terrible program. And I don't know whether that's his fault, but I'm going to lay it on him because he's a bloody terrible coach. He was our defensive coordinator once before. And for some reason, we took him back. He replaced Dave Aranda, a guy who is only one and one now as a head coach at Baylor, but doing great things for that defense. We need to do something. Last week in our win, they said, hey, we're going to simplify the offense. Why? We've got some of the best defensive backs in the nation, but yet you want to simplify the offense and send four on every single rush. It's ridiculous. We need to do something to change this team. And it starts with getting rid of Bo Pelini. We have got so many good players, so many good players. But for some reason, we can't get it going. TJ Finney, look, terrible this weekend. I'm not going to say this is his fault. The guy is just a freshman. You know, I'm not going to give him too much crap. And that's why I didn't give Miles Brennan crap because he looked great as well. I think once Miles Brennan's back, the offense will get, you know, get firing a bit more with guys they used to, but the defense is the worst I have ever seen at LSU ever, ever. It's so bad. And it's not the player's fault because we have great players. We have great personnel and we have great positions coaches, but Bo Pelini is so ass backwards. I don't even if this guy knows the difference between a nickel formation and a four free formation and a dollar and a dime formation. He doesn't know what he's doing. We get one win when he says we simplified the offense, but they nothing changed. He tried to simplify the offense this week and they couldn't do anything against Bo Nix, who might be one of the worst QBs in the SEC. He's terrible. He looks like a midget got rubbed in poison ivy. He's all red-faced and sickly. I don't like him. And then, to compound that, the offense couldn't get going either. Terrence Marshall Jr. was on a touchdown streak and he it got ruined this week. And I know it's the offense, but I'm still blaming Pellini he is terrible he gave up 600 passing yards to Mississippi State KJ Costello is a terrible quarterback and the air raid doesn't work in the SEC he's given up yards and touchdowns to some of the worst teams in the SEC and I am sick of it and if we lose against Bama next week he is gone and I mean gone fire him out of a cannon Get him out of Baton Rouge. I don't care what you have to do, but get rid of him. I'll drive down there myself, grab him by the scrap of the neck and launch him into the bayou because I do not care anymore. I want him gone and I want my team back. Oof. Got something on your chest. I mean, TJ Finley's um, good though. I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed. I coiled yeah, TJ Finley is good. He had a bad game, but he's a freshman. It happens. 
His first game, lights out. Miles Brennan's also been playing great, matching Joe Burrow's stats for yards and stuff on his first couple games. So he's looked good, and we've got a good team. But Bo Pelini is the weak link. Dave Aranda last year, fantastic. Knows how to run defenses, run some really exotic stuff. Guys like Christian Fulton are in there doing all sorts of stuff. And we had Stingley as well, who's looking fantastic. I know we're missing guys like Patrick Queen uh, and and some of our best guys, but it doesn't matter. We should be able to galvanize this offense. Look at how many five-star recruits we have at DB. Look at how many guys we've got who are top Juco prospects at linebacker and on the D-line. It, we shouldn't be losing like this. Was it 44 to 10? I went to bed in fourth quarter. I'd had enough. So, yeah, if we lose against Bama and it's another defensive shit show, get rid of Bo Pelini because I've had enough of him. I've had enough. And if by some miracle he can pull a defensive game plan out of his ass and get something going on the field, yes, I, I will give him his dues, but I do not want him there anymore. And if he messes up against Bama, it's up to Coach Odron to walk up to him, chin him and throw his lifeless corpse out of the building because I've had enough. Right, okay. There we go. Sorry, guys. We've, we've laid, down, laid, down, laid down the law for once and for all, haven't we, really? Let's, um, uh, let's get on with the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you got any positives to come out of this? I know it was, a, it was obviously a loss, and we've been saying that Auburn and Bo Nix particularly aren't you know, too great. But have you got any positives that you want to kind of build up towards your big positive um, talk that you're going to do later on? Yeah, Gay, Gay looked great again. Um, Eric Gilbert as well moves well for a tight end the guy moves absolutely ridiculous and I know it wasn't Finley's day but it, it says something to him that even after taking some big hits and the interception and stuff he'll, he'll shake himself off and he'll still go out there and play to the best of his ability which is really good to see because uh, obviously you, these guys coming in especially freshmen they are now small fish in a big pond where their whole life they they were the star of the football team or they were the best player at their high school and stuff and it, it, it really shows that the maturity that they can get knocked down and they can be at their lowest moment, but they can still go put their helmet on, go out there and give it their all. And I really like what we saw for like we, LSU fought that whole entire game. I didn't see any give in any of the players. They gave a hundred percent on every single play and you can't ask for more, but he who must not be named needs to go because that that is the biggest problem with the team right now. Apart from that, I think we're a great team. Just irresponsible play calling by the defensive coordinator, honestly. Mm. It's a young team, isn't it? So it's one of these things I've been saying with, with FSU. That it's going to be a building process. You know, you've got to rebuild after that national championship win. And after, you know, we, we've well documented on this podcast how much talent you've lost and or did lose. So it's all about just, yeah, re, refreshing that stock, isn't it? And uh, and building up these guys because, you know, like you say, the young team, a lot of freshmen in there, a lot of uh, guys that have come from, you know, junior college and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's not easy to be like a Clemson or an Alabama, is it, when you're great every year? Nah, it's, you know, uh, look, we've always recruited well. That's just kind of like, it's just the mainstay of LSU football is that we recruit well and we bring up a lot of pro talent. And it's only really in the last few years that, since Coach O arrived that those players have really galvanized behind a leader and found something to, to play for. And they, they, you know, look, every single one of those guys would run for a brick wall for uh, Coach Odron. And I, I really like that. But, you know, the players can't do everything. They're all just young men still. It's, it's not like an NFL defense where if a, a team runs a hurry up that they can organize themselves and, and know their go-tos. They're still young guys and they've still got a lot of maturing to do. And I think I think this year is going to be a really bad year for us. Uh, but I think next year, with the block building blocks we've got, the new guys we've got coming in, I think LSU next year is going to be a very, very scary team. But I think this year we just... We lost too much talent. You know, when you lose 16 players to a draft, you've just lost 16 NFL players, which is off a college team is ridiculous. When you've got enough to fill in one entire side of the ball with NFL level talent and then even half on the other side, it's a ridiculous amount of talent to have and it's a ridiculous amount of talent to lose. So I think, you know, next year, once everyone's a bit more bit more mature I think I think LSU are going to make a, a run at the national championship again and back with like you know out of conference play and stuff will be back it'd be it'd be a great chance for us to not 
constantly play against SEC teams. I know they're the best, you know, debatably teams in college football, but it'd be nice to play against Pac-12 teams who throw the ball a lot and Big Ten teams who have a nice uh, run-pass mix. So, yeah, it just, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough year, but uh, I've got whiskey, so I'll be fine. <laughs> Can make anything better, I'm sure. Um, yeah, kind of ruined your birthday weekend, though, didn't it? That's the only problem. And obviously the Patriots, again, uh, kind of stinking it up against the ball, uh, the Bills, sorry. But anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll stay in the SEC, though. Andy, you're going to talk about a positive team in the AFC... Sorry, not the AFC West, the SEC West. Yes, mate. First of all, I just want to say I wonder how Rob's little speech for Kieran's coming because it's uh, it's looking more and more likely, isn't it, mate? We're on page 10 of about <laughs> 40, so we're going good. We're going good. Still works on Rob. I can't read. <laughs> Still won't be as long as that rant we just had there, will it, mate? It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, I was coming on to Texas A&M, uh, just a bit different. I think uh, obviously not one of the, the main games that was on in the UK at the weekend. So nice to touch on that as well. Um, yeah, they beat like a really good Arkansas uh, defense, 42-31 in, in what was quite like a, an offensive game, um, surprisingly, after the, after the Arkansas start of the season. Um yeah, just just really really interesting to watch. Like Felipe Franks guard it. He's he's looking really good for for, for the Razorbacks and then Kalen Mond as well for for A and M. Um, Mond didn't put up like huge numbers at the weekend, but he really kind of picked apart Arkansas's zone defense and it looked really good on, on film as well. Just kind of dinking it in between coverages and everything like that. So that was really nice to watch. Um, and then you've got like uh, Jalen Wider uh, uh, the tight end, who's one of the uh, one of the other tight ends in his what's a stat class uh, already, and we've touched on that in recent weeks, uh, of course. But it, he looked really good, uh, two touchdowns and 92 yards, including like probably the pick of the bunch from the, t- uh, from the touchdowns uh, from Mond, a nice and a nice uh, grab in the corner of the end zone. So yeah, that was looking really good. But it's probably uh, Isaiah Spiller that I want to touch on. Uh, most 82 yards off 21 carries, so not the not the best production, but it was some of the moves and the kind of uh, the cuts he was doing and the kind of elusive uh, talent that he's got there, which is is really impressing me in, in recent weeks. Um, yeah, just just coming across as like a real like like gradually improving every sort of week guy, um, and he looks like he's probably got NFL talent in the future there as well. So. Yeah, just someone to watch, someone a bit different there. Um, and nice to see him producing against like SEC defences as well, because I think that's one of the things that have been kind of held against him uh, in the past. And uh, yeah, the, the final thing to, to wrap up on that game is, the, uh, as I mentioned in our winners and losers columns, the fact that A&M are 19-2 against unranked opposition since uh, Jimbo Fisher took over. And their, the whole of their remaining schedule is against unranked teams. So is that kind of a way to to see A&M moving towards the, the, the playoffs and uh, a chance there with their one defeat, could they, could they still squeeze in? Essentially, isn't it? I mean, I said it in, in my column on, on that half of the article that, you know, it, there's only one spot open, as we've mentioned, and I think we'll obviously talk about Alabama, Clemson and Ohio State as we go on. And it's open. I mean, it is open. That is one thing. I mean, it's only open to one team, which is a negative, but it is open. So, you know, considering that the AP and the, the people who do the polls and the playoff polls and things like that, they love SEC teams. So, you know, we're probably, well, I'm, I'm going to mention Cincinnati in a moment, but um, they, they stand a better chance than Cincinnati just from having that SEC standing. Ditto BYU as well, who obviously I've mentioned in the past as, as one of my uh, candidates to be that fourth spot. So yeah, I think I think definitely got a, got a shout for sure. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you you've got to beat who's in front of you. And like you say, if they carry on Jimbo's record, then you know the odds on to try and do that really, which will be be really good for them. Um, I know it's kind of a, a team and a quarterback that I've written off in the past and kind of getting egg on my face with that one a little bit. But yeah, it'll be nice to see them there and and just keeping on doing what they're doing. But it's whether they can actually do that, isn't it? At the end of the day. But yeah, got some good players to look out for for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think Rob was going to come in on that as well. Yeah, I, I, I liked AM. And if you remember back in the early days of this podcast, beginning of the preseason, I said that I fancied AM as an outside shot here um, because they had a really good schedule. And I think they're, they're doing that. And, and I like the fact that you just mentioned Spiller as well. Um, I loved him last year as a freshman, um, just shy of a thousand yards. Uh, I was hoping to grab him in our fantasy league, but I think you took him, didn't you, Andy? Of course, So, yeah, so um, so he's good to good to watch. And, you know, he's, he's only a, a sophomore, so he'll be around next year as well um, uh, t- to see. And, yeah, I, th- I think this A&M team uh, are slowly cranking it up and could be in with that show. They're in that 
group, aren't they, behind the top four that you know could could sneak in? They're in the sort of the same conversations just Cincinnati's that you know uh, just sitting outside there. Um, so yeah, it's good to see. I, like, I do like watching them. I think they're a good team. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Rob, do you want to you want to talk about Clemson? Stay, stick it in the a- a- uh, ACC. Yeah, let's talk about Clemson. It was. Um, I'm not going to lie. I sat there watching Clemson, and at halftime, I'm going. Ooh, there's an upset on the yeah, cards. Well, um, you know, they were behind. Uh, I can't remember the exact score at halftime. Um, I want to say 24 13, something like that. Um, but as we know in college football, it does not take long to turn a game around. Um, DJ Youngalilale nearly got that wrong. I think I got it wrong. Might have got it right. Don't know. Um, he, he was the, obviously the guy that stepped in for Trevor Lawrence. Um, very sort of shaky first half, but second half, uh, he let rip. Um, ended up with over 300 yards passing, um, was knocking on the door of Trevor Lawrence's uh, game records, I think, at one point. Um, used his legs, got in the end zone by using his legs. And it was, but it was two different, two very different halves for, for Clemson. Uh, it was very much a bedding in process for DJU uh, under centre. But then the second half, I think probably um, Dabo Sweeney has, has gone in there at halftime and said, look, let's, let's get this guy going. Let's protect him. Let's just work with him. Uh, let him loose. And exactly what he did in the second half, he, he ripped up and they've, they've obviously come back. And in the end, they've, they've won fairly comfortably. Um, you know, it was, it was touch and go for a long while though. And it was interesting because obviously I had some, a big interest in that game because of what's coming up next week. The big showdown with my Notre Dame fighting Irish is going to be a massive, massive game. And I wanted to see what Uyongalele, uh, <laughs> oh God, I can't say, DJU, uh, what he had to offer um, going in. Because obviously it was, uh, we didn't know at the time, but we do now that Trevor Lawrence is not going to play uh, against Notre Dame. So I really wanted to see what this team uh, was, was going to offer us. And, after that first half performance, I was rubbing my hands together. I was thinking, oh, hello, we've got a right shout here. But by the end of it, I'm now thinking uh, it's going to be a bit tighter than I think. Um, no, it was it was good to see. Boston College, uh, let's just mention them. They had a fantastic, like I said, fantastic first half. Uh, Phil uh, Djokovic, Djokovic, Vic, um, former Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, he had a really good game, um, especially in the first half. Uh, looked really good. Um, Zay Flowers was... Well, he, he ripped the Clemson secondary apart in the first half, um, but they kind of figured him out in the second half. Again, it was a very, it was a, a tale of two halves. BC was so good in the first half, Clemson so good in the second half, um, and Clemson just knocked it, nicked, uh, nicked it at the end. Yeah, they did. Um, it was kind of, it just felt like one of those things, isn't it, where you feel like once they get one, it's a little bit like the Chargers yeah. on Sunday, where, you know, once they give up one, then it's only. Uh, matter of time until the pack of cards falls down because yeah. you know, BC were doing really well. Obviously, Djokovic was playing very, very well, slinging it and, and playing with no fear. But then, you know, the game does get a bit bigger for these small teams. When the, when the chips are up, then it's brilliant. But when the, the momentum starts to swing, you start to lose a little bit of belief. And I feel like that's what happened with BC, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, no, it sets it up for, for a really, really good game mm. um, next week. Um, obviously, with North Carolina losing, it's kind of seems like it's the ACC uh, championship game sort of yeah. dress rehearsal. Miami obviously in there, but you know probably not going to um, unsurp either of those two to kind of take one of the top top spots in the ACC. Um, so yeah, no, it should be good. Uh, it should be a really the blockbuster yeah. next week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's um, I've had this date circled for a while. Um, I wanted to book the day off work on on the on the Monday, so I could have a full weekend of NF college and NFL. Um, I couldn't do it, but you know, lucky for me, I'm not going to be working. So <laughs> you know, probably not lucky for in the long run, but for for me anyway, I'm going to be off um, because of recent news. So uh, yeah, I'm going to have a full weekend next week, and and that's going to be centre stage Saturday night. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. No, it's going to be an absolute blockbuster, isn't it? It is a bit of a shame that Lawrence isn't playing, but yes, um, you know, because you want to, you want to see the best players play against but each other. I, th- I think you are with Uyungle. Um, I think that he's the next best quarterback coming through. He's gonna, 
you know, he's going to have the job next year, we think. Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the NFL unless it's the Jets 101 pick. Um, you know, no, he, you know, he's going to likely be the, the quarterback for the, for the foreseeable future for Clemson. Um, so it is good to see these guys come through. And I, I just think, it's, yes, it's a blockbuster um, headline game. And I, I genuinely think Notre Dame is going to win. I, I think, I, I, let me just talk about Notre Dame for a second. Um, yeah, go for it. I, I watched their game as well, and, and you know that was uh, Georgia Tech were sort of no match really. Um, we, we just this is the best Notre Dame team I've seen. I've been a fan of Notre Dame for about six years now, and we went to the college playoffs uh, three years ago, I think, um, and we were good then. But this this team as a unit, we we just so much. I don't know. It's just so good to watch. I've really, really, really enjoyed watching us defensively. We're just, you know, we're, we're stopping everything. We're getting after quarterbacks. Uh, the cornerbacks, our cornerbacks are, are, are doing a fantastic job against wide receivers. Offensively, Karen Williams has been brilliant at running back this year. Ian Book has stepped up level. If you asked me last year, after last year, I said, Ian Book is a good quarterback, but I can't see him being drafted in the NFL. I didn't think he was that good. He's really impressed me. He has stepped up a level this year. Um, and I think this is the best Notre Dame team that I've seen since I've been supporting them. Um, and I'm really, really, really excited um, for the rest of the season. But unfortunately, if we lose against Clemson, the, the nature of the beast, the nature of college football, if we lose against Clemson, that's us out of the race, in my opinion. I don't think with one loss being Notre Dame, I don't think we can get back in it, um, which is... Terrible shame because if Clemson lose against us, I think they're still going to be in the top four. And I just think that's just typical of how college football works and how broken the system is because I, I don't know. Um, I, I think we'll struggle if we lose to Clemson, even though it's Clemson, I still think we're going to struggle to get back in, even if we, if we sweep the rest of the, the, the season. So big, big game. If we win, I think we're in. Um, if we lose, we're done we can just focus on the ACC um and try and win that yeah I was just uh sorry just to add to what Rob was saying um I think even with Trevor Lawrence the hardest game for Clemson this year was going to be Notre Dame they just are that team they're a storied Mm. franchise in college football and they play very very disciplined football and we've seen any of Clemson's losses over the last few years have been to the likes of Alabama, to LSU, teams that play very disciplined football. Uh, and now without Trevor Lawrence, that's a big, big thing for this young quarterback to come in and do is play a team who've got a very strong yeah. defense who might not be super exciting in terms of the plays they run, the defenses and the schemes they have, but they're disciplined and everyone Mm. executes. And because they execute well and because everyone stays on assignment, that gives Notre Dame a massive opportunity to to upset Clemson here. But in my eyes, it's not that much of an upset. They're missing Trevor Lawrence um, and he's a big part of their offense. So if Notre Dame just play their game, they're going to win out against Clemson this Saturday. I think for the the weakness for Notre Dame is the fact that we haven't really got a decent, we haven't really got an elite wide receiver core. Um, Just the last couple of weeks, uh, Ben Skronik has come out and been really good on the perimeter. Um, He's he's a bear uh, out there, but we haven't really got that big name receiver. But what we have done instead is we've utilized the tight ends, Michael Meyer and uh, uh, Tommy Tremble, of course. Um, And the the thing that I love the most, and you'll see this if you watch Notre Dame Clemson on Saturday, what they do, what they love doing, Tommy Tremble plays, is a tight end, but he play, he'll play in the fullback position. And Kyron Williams at running back will just follow Tommy Tremble. And that, that if we're inside the 10, that is the play. And it just, it works every single time. So if we can get ourselves into those positions, I think we'll be fine. If we're, if we're in a shootout, I, th- I think that's where we might become unstuck just because we haven't got the weapons on the outside to, to match up against... Clemson's defense. I think that's the undoing of Notre Dame. If we can keep it tight, I think we win. If it goes to having to air the ball out, I think we. That's how we lose. I think. Mm. Yeah, missing Mapletron from last year, of course. Chase mm-hmm. Claypool. Yeah, and look how he is now at Pittsburgh. I mean, fantastic, right? 
Yeah, to be fair, I, I didn't rate him too too well, to be honest, um, last year. Um, obviously blew up the combine, but you know, plenty of people have done that. But yeah. Miles Boykin did it the year before, well. and Miles Boykin hasn't done much in Baltimore. This is it. This is it. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? How much yeah. you buy into these wide receivers who kind of blow it up. Obviously, DK Metcalf, the, the, the obvious yeah. one that everyone's yeah. been quarrelling over for the last three years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, goes different ways, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I have this discussion with my best mate. When when Claypool came out um, in, in the spring, I said, oh, Claypool's good, but for, in my opinion, he's he's not as good as Boykin was last year. I was like, Boykin is always going to be the better receiver. Uh, hasn't quite worked like that. that. Claypool has obviously been in a situation where he's uh, had Big Ben um, this season, whereas Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball too much. So, you know, it's um, it's, it's all about situations. Isn't it? it is definitely all about situations. Go on, Kieran, you want to come in there? Yeah, just just what he's saying about uh, Chase Claypool as well. It, Probably, probably everyone said it already, but he also benefits from the fact that they've got guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and obviously Eric Ebron, who everyone knows are big pass catchers. So he's maybe not receiving the attention he deserves or the respect he deserves from defensive backs in the NFL. So that kind of opens him up a little bit more. But obviously he's a stud, but... I, but you know what I'm saying? It's just uh, when nobody really knows who you are, you're probably not getting the respect you deserve from defences. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I said, like we all said, it's um situation out there, isn't it? And if you've got other people to take the attention away and obviously, you know, people maybe not putting as much attention on you because you're a rookie as well and you're coming down with seven touchdowns, it'll obviously start to get some more attention now. So it's interesting to see how we'll kind of, uh, how we've kind of progressed and gone to second half of this season, obviously in year two and beyond. But yeah, no, for sure. Notre Dame, not generally known for top-level wide receivers, so it's no problem they've overcome before, for sure. But um, yeah, no, be an excellent game next week. And uh, yeah, like I said, probably just dress rehearsal for the ACC Championship game at the end of the season. I want to I want to pivot away, actually, away from the, the larger conferences, and I want to talk about a Group of Five game that we're really all looking forward to. Um, we mentioned Liam wanted to come on and talk about this. He's not with us this evening, but I wanted to talk about Cincinnati and Memphis, and we thought this would be a much, much closer game. It ended up 49-10 to 10 to the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Um, Desmond Ridder looking fantastic, um, both in the uh, in the air and, uh, sorry, through the air, should I say, and on the ground as well. You know, really, really efficient, 26 attempts, 21 completions, just under 300 yards, uh, three three touchdowns on the air, sorry, through the air, and a couple more on the ground as well. I think it showed it throughout the telecast of how much Desmond Ridder has grown both as a quarterback and as a person as well. It looks like um, he's put on a lot of weight, looks like he's put on good weight, slimmed down, and he's looking really good. You know, he's going to be an intriguing day two, early day three prospects. I think going to be a good backup, going to be a good uh, situational quarterback. Maybe we'll continue to develop in the NFL. And uh, yes, yeah, interesting name to watch out for. Um, not going to be troubling the first round, I don't think. But um, yeah, certainly going to be an intriguing quarterback out there. Um, I really like Jared Dokes. I think Liam mentioned him um, last week. Um, he's, again, really impressive running back, a little bit of a bowling ball, uh, bouncing around off people and, and just getting yards. And I'm sure, Rob, you want to come in on Alex Pierce. Is it a player that you really like for Cincinnati? <laughs> he's in my fantasy team. Uh, that's basically why I liked him. Um, <laughs> I did some research on him in the offseason and saw that he's a really good receiver, but I do believe he went off injured. So um... Yeah, shoulder injury. Yeah, so I don't know what his availability is going to be going forward, but he's only been, he was on the IR, so he's only been back like two weeks. And in those two weeks, I think he had three catches for 60-something yards last week and and similar this week. So, mm. um, yeah, he's a utilised wide receiver, definitely. Um, so it'd be a shame if he's out. Yeah, for sure. Um, his touchdown that he caught in the first half, I think it was in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he just went up and high-pointed it like Mike Williams out there. So, yeah, very impressive young receiver. Um, and, yeah, one, one for Cincinnati to use. Uh, it be interesting to see how he you know comes back and if he does come back from that shoulder injury for the rest of the season. Memphis were a little bit disappointing. Brady White, obviously, really experienced quarterback, didn't really play like it um, through the ball, you know, not to, to anywhere but Memphis players a lot of the time. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best performance from them. I think we've mentioned Memphis in the past, missing missing some big playmakers. Um, and they've obviously lost, as they do most years, lose NFL talent to the draft, also on a smaller scale for a lot of teams. But as when you're in the American Conference, it's, it's difficult to kind of replace that. So yeah, I just wanted to mention Cincinnati, obviously unbeaten. Um, I think they're up to six in the rankings now. Um, an outside chat for the top four, potentially another one in there with, uh, with Texas A&M, as I mentioned before. Uh, but yeah, a very, very impressive team. Kieran, you wanted to come in on your your local boys up there. 
Yeah, I watched the entire game and it was very impressive. The first quarter was like kind of neck and neck and then mm. Cincinnati just took over. And I think you're actually understating Desmond R- Ridder's physique. He looked shredded. They brought a graphic up. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, second quarter, my God, he looked like a ninja turtle. My dude was <laughs> shredded. Uh, but also Jerome Ford, fantastic game from Jerome Ford. 12.9 yards average per carry, two touchdowns, 116 yards. Ridiculous. They they had, you know, Cincinnati. We, this, this city is deprived of championship sports teams. FC Cincinnati suck. Uh, the Reds suck. Bengals getting there. Um, but the Bearcats, man, they have looked fierce. And sitting at number six now, five and oh, is they're very good. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can parlay that into some playoff success, maybe. Which is why I definitely think the playoffs should be expanded because of teams like Cincinnati and stuff who are just outliers on the top, top four. But yeah, man, the. You know, I thought Memphis would actually be one of their biggest hurdles this year, besides maybe UCF. Uh, yeah, they put to bed any concerns I had that maybe they would struggle against a team with a season signal caller and some more season players. But yeah, Cincinnati, man, that was an incredible performance by them. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. And looking like they could definitely go on and continue their unbeaten run as well. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about them a lot on the podcast. And I'm sure we'll continue to do so. So it'd be really interesting if, if they can remain unbeaten and can go on to, to great things this season and uh, yeah, make it very interesting for the playoff committee. Let's say that at least. All right then. Yeah. Obviously we, we've got a really big game that we've not really seen amongst us by the looks of things. I know um, Liam was going to talk about this one, but um, I was talking about Ohio state versus Penn state, but something that you mentioned, obviously in our joint column winners and losers, Andy, you watched uh, obviously pay close attention to Justin Fields. How do you rate his performance on, on the weekend against Penn State? Obviously, Ohio State running out the winners fairly comfortably in the end. It's looking really good, to be honest. It's really like solidifying that um, top of the draft status that we were all expected of him anyway. But yeah, I mentioned in the in the article, like just, there was a few murmurings of like, oh, I only had one season to to show it. Will he be able to like translate that to the NFL? And so far, he's played two uh, good teams and played very well in in both games. And th- this time around, it was just clinical um, hits and not lovely. Uh, back shoulder throws to, to a couple of his main guys, including the, that, that second touchdown, which I mentioned in the article as well, and, and really just just efficient, and, and that's obviously what we're kind of looking for. Um, he, he just looked calm uh, under pressure. Penn State brought a lot of of that during the game, and, and he was just able to get the ball out quickly on time and just hit his receivers in the numbers. Um, so yeah, look, really impressed with him. I think you, you're kind of getting that. Uh, top class that, um, performance that you're really looking for from, from your from your first second overall pick sort of thing there and uh, I mean I don't I don't think he's going to rival Lawrence is he but I mean the, the, whoever's picking at number two number three uh, they've really got to go all out to to, to get Fields because he's he looks like he could be a game changer in the NFL as well. Yeah, he's definitely going to fit that um, it's kind of new mold of, of NFL quarterbacks that we mentioned um, you know a week or two ago, didn't we? About you know being just having that mobility. And just having that you know, arm strength and uh, physical presence on there are definitely going to fit that mould for, for some lucky team in the you know, top five of the draft, probably. Kieran, you wanted to, you wanted to come in on Justin Fields there? Uh, well, mainly his receivers, actually. Uh, Chris Olav and, uh, Olav? Uh, and Garrett Wilson. Uh, both guys looked incredible. Um, Olav obviously had the two touchdowns. Um, but yeah, he, he was moving the ball around. I think he hit like six different receivers during the game, which is, is good to see. Like he's not just picking on one guy constantly. But um, yeah, you know, I know we talk about how Ohio State quarterbacks do in the league, but Justin Fields is probably one of their strongest quarterbacks we've seen in a long while, honestly. But uh Remain, remains to be seen how he did in the league, despite a very strong showing against what is otherwise a, a very good Penn State team. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, obviously, we've missed, missed Liam's analysis of this. He was going to talk about this, but we'll, I'm sure we'll cover a lot of Ohio State and Penn State probably you know, throughout the, the year, uh, the second half of the year. So then, uh, yeah, like I said, another really, really good week of college football. Obviously, gearing up towards another great week, headlined by um, Clemson versus Notre Dame, as we mentioned on the pod earlier on. We're going to move on into our Pac-12 preview then. Obviously, like I said before, the last of the Power 5 conferences to get going this year. 
very shortened season, so only playing seven games each this year. Um, North and South divisions, as usual, but split off, just playing the rest of your division in one crossover game. And this quite kooky kind of week seven that they've got going on with um, a championship week, which is also all the other teams that finish in similar rankings kind of matching up against each other. So like a little, almost like a little tournament, which will be quite nice, quite a nice idea. Um, not that any of the other games will mean anything apart from the championship game. So, yeah, um, I'm kind of glad, obviously, from my point of view, obviously a big Pac-12 fan. So glad that this um, conference did, off, did get off the ground um, eventually. Um, but it's a shame they're only going to get seven games out of it and probably no chance of a playoff team, which is a bit of a shame as we've had a few uh, candidates, at least out West, Oregon, Utah, uh, in recent years. Yeah, Kieran, obviously, I'll come to you first. I know you've got a lot of positive things to say about one um team and one player in particular and obviously it can equalize out your very ill-tempered rant earlier on i'm calling it now the arizona state sun devils are pac-12 south champions and possibly pac-12 champions they are a very very good team herm edwards very good coach they've got a lot of talent and you know it, it it really speaks to how great of a football team they are that in Arizona they can grow a Bermuda grass field. Do you know how hard <laughs> that must be to have a luscious grass surface in the desert? This team is set up for success already. Um, but we've got to talk about Jaden Daniels. That guy is an electric quarterback. Mm. He is fantastic. And he's one of the reasons I think uh, Arizona State are going to be so successful this year. He's a... Uh, Manning, he's on the uh, Manning Award watch list. He is very, very talented. He is a ton of awards as a freshman last year. Honorable mention for uh, freshman offensive player of the year. First true freshman in program history to start a game of the season. uh, First game of the season. And only second, no, sorry, third in program history to win his first ever start. So a lot of... uh, advantages for him he can run he's got great wheels on him but when you watch him throw his mechanics are absolutely sound and i know obviously last year he had the advantage of receivers like brandon Ayuk and everything like that but the team is so so good and with a quarterback like this he's really going to be able to galvanize the offense behind him the running backs are going to play hard the receivers are going to do what they always do arizona state you know they've always got a couple of speedsters and a couple of huge guys who are going to be safety valves but then also if he can get past his first progression that guy's taking the top off the offense he's going to light people up and I honestly think uh, Arizona State got undefeated this year behind Jaden Daniels. He is a guy who I would very much like to see my New England Patriots draft if he carries on to develop the way he's uh, doing. But yeah, he, he's one of those quarterbacks who, you know, you might not give much uh, much of a look because of the program he's at or the program's pedigree. Uh, and they, they're starting in a very hard game against USC. Uh, but USC hasn't been that team as of late. So I think maybe their ranking in the AP polls is a little bit undeserved. Uh, But I think if you watch uh, Jaden play last year and the plays he can pull off and sort of the reads he makes, he's a very talented guy. And going into this season, it's going to be, hey, I'm here. I am going to the NFL. And a lot of scouts are going to pay attention to him this year because it's his time to shine and potentially he's going to parlay that and something even bigger next year when college football is back properly. But, you know, I, I love this guy. He's such a good quarterback. And I, I know he only weighs 185 pounds or whatever. He's kind of built like a receiver, <laughs> but if he packs on 20 pounds, he's NFL ready uh, as is. And obviously in the pack 12, you're going to see him throw the football a lot. So watch out for the Arizona state stun devils this year, because they are not only the hottest property in all of Pac-12. They are the hottest property in all of college football. Mark my words, they're going to be the most exciting team for you guys to watch this year. Even Rob will enjoy watching them. <laughs> they're, well, they're literally the hottest because they're in the Arizona desert. So, they're, they're... <laughs> yeah, good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like Jen Daniels. His deep ball is especially um, a, a thing of beauty, I would say, um, and looking for probably going to be Frank Darby, isn't it? The, the deep ball receiver out there built a little bit like a running back, not your typical deep threat, but definitely got some speed and uh, yeah, some, some ball tracking ability as well um, for that one. So yeah, no, I, I like the shout to be fair. Um, not my shout for the South. Um, I think Andy, you're going to talk about my shout for the South and probably going to be yours as well. 
Yeah, indeed, man. I'm um, fully, fully on board the USC uh, train this time around. And uh, Kieran just uh, shaking his head and said that they've not been all that lately, but that's because they haven't had a like star quarterback like they've got now in in Caden Slovis. Who, uh, man, what a great first year for him! Three thousand five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, looked efficient, uh, looked very good down the field. In fact, uh, PFF have got him as the most accurate downfield passer. Uh, in 2019, and that's uh, better than uh, Mr. Mr. Burrow, and that will annoy Kieran a little bit more. Um, but they, they've got like a, a just a solid roster throughout on defense and offense, actually, um, including uh, Elijah Vera Tucker guard, who who I mean to, to me is arguably one, either first or second in the best interior lineman rankings for for, for the draft next year. Uh, Talanoa Hufanga at strong safety. I think we mentioned uh, earlier in the year as well. A great playmaker. Rangy side to sideline, sideline to sideline player reminded me a bit of uh, Rashad Jones as, as a Dolphins fan. So that's a uh, like a always a solid comparison there. Uh, and then I don't know if we go on to this bit yet, but um, my, my guy at wide receiver is Amon Ra St. Brown, who man, I'm just looking forward to watching him play this year. I think he's really good. Um, he's like a better version of uh, Shai Smith, who I've also been high on throughout the season. Uh, good physical skills, acceler- acceleration, uh, loads of body control. Um, and, he, and he's a good route runner at the slot as well. Um, the, the kind of downside with him so far has been his yards after yards after catch kind of potential there. But man, I, I really like him. I don't think he's going to make breach the first round because of that kind of slot production that he's got, and you don't really see the slot guys going in the first round. But but second round prospect man, and, and he's a fantastic player there. So yeah, I mean, I've got them to them to to, to win the Pac-12 champ, championship game as well. So uh, got them high on them this year, high on Slovis. Man, promising and, and good time to be a USC fan. Yeah, to be fair, mate, I agree with a lot of what you've just said. They would be, I know we've kind of, we're going to come into this a little bit later on, but they, they might shout for the Pac-12 as well. I think they're just going to edge out Oregon in, in that game. Uh, yeah, I like St. Brown, very, very good player. Uh, like you say, a bit of a slot receiver, not really strong too much on the outside, but separates really, really well and doesn't drop a great deal as well. Um, yeah, I think when I graded him in the summer. I think I had a mid-second round on him, if I remember right. So definitely a player that I'm watching out for, for sure. Um, and Tyler Vaughan's as well, another wide receiver as well. So they've got a good pair for for Caden Slovis to use and a good running game as well with uh, Malapai and Stephen Carr as well. So yeah, um, yeah, really good team, solid all the way through. Um, a lot of other good players that, you, that you, you know, you've not mentioned as well, but yeah, like the guys that you mentioned for sure. Yeah, I know you mentioned uh, Stephen Carr, but if you guys are aware of him, did any of you think you'd see him back for a senior season at all? He was he was drawing comparisons to guys like Ronald Jones and stuff, and I'm surprised he sort of slipped in the way he did. But, you know, he could be a sleeper pick uh, in the, the draft, like day three, uh, sorry, day two running back or something, like a third rounder. He's... He's impressive, and I'm surprised he's had to come back for this season. But I think if anyone has watched even just one season of USC football back in 2017, especially, he was he was really, really good. He is a good football mm. player. He is. He struggled with injuries, though, isn't he? That, that's my big knock against him. He doesn't stay on the field, but he's good. You know, he's good out of the backfield. He's good catcher. He's he's pretty quick, but given his injuries as well. Uh, and Malapai, obviously, a bit more of a bruising back. To, so it could be a kind of nice tandem there between them and, and obviously I've said it about obviously Sam Howell and UNC I've been that complimentary running game that we've seen from Javante Williams and Michael Carter it could be it could be nice for for Caden Slovis especially because he's got some options on the outside as well and uh, Drake London as well who we've not mentioned the third wide receiver so yeah no lots lots going on in USC and uh, yeah it should be a very very good battle in the south between those two and maybe the team that I'm going to mention as well but first we'll, we'll head up north Rob you're going to talk about a little bit about um, Oregon yeah, I'm going to talk about the team that are actually going to win the Pac-12 <laughs> this year. Not, not the. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I really like this Oregon team. Um, I am not a massive Pac-12 guy. I know, obviously, Lee, you are. Um, I think me and you kind of flip flop. Um, you, you're a Pac-12 guy, more of an SEC guy, but it's. It, it, I I really respect this Oregon team, um, and I have done. I think since. Um, he, he was the uh, Mariota uh, since mm-hmm. Mariota was there. That, that was when they kind of uh, came on the map for me. Um, when he said to me earlier, oh, what team are you going to go for? What team are you going to speak to about tonight? I was like, I don't really know. I don't really know enough about Pac-12. So I did. I looked in it all evening. I've been searching. 
And this Oregon team is impressive. Really, really, really impressive. One thing that stood out for me, just looking at their depth chart, there's only a handful of freshmen in the whole on the whole team. Um, in fact, looking through the depth chart on our lads, I can only see four freshmen in the whole entire team. So this is a team that's coming back, a team that was very good last year, and they're all coming back except from the main guy, um, which, of <laughs> course, uh, you will know lots about, um, Justin Herbert. Uh, absolutely fantastic quarterback. Um you know, definitely the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Sorry, Kieran. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so um, they obviously they were replacing him with a guy called Tyler Shuck, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Yep, um, I don't know too much about him. I don't know whether you do, Lee. But um, what I do know from this team is uh, Johnny Johnson at the third and Jalen Red are the two main receivers coming back from last year. They're still there and they've got a fantastic running back in CJ Vidal, who went uh, over a thousand about 1300 yards last year, um, and he's scored the centerpiece uh, in that offense. Um, one big piece missing off the offensive line, Penne Sewell, who is may just be the next best tackle going into the NFL, um, left tackle. And funny enough, that is the one and only position uh, on the starting depth chart for, for Oregon, which is a freshman. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be a big miss, Penis, uh, Penis Swell. And I know that you you wax lyrical about him, Lee, so you'll you'll probably speak about him in a moment. Uh, but just quickly on the defensive side, um, a very interesting edge rusher in Kayvon Thibodeau as well. Uh, mm. he's he's potentially been talked about being the uh, the first overall pick in the 2022 draft. Um, he's an exciting edge rusher, uh, he won all sorts of awards last year, only started a handful of games, I do believe. Um, so he's one to look out for, and um, I do believe there's is there a safety there as well who's uh, talk, talked up about being in the in the Yvonne first Holland. round. This yeah, Holland. He's opted out though, unfortunately. He has opted out. That's why I can't see him in my depth shot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's very he's very good. Yeah, very good. Plays so yeah, that's like... sorry, Bob. Yeah, I was just about, I'm just about wrapping up. That's why my research done for, for Oregon. And um, I am, I am, yeah, count me in for, I am an <laughs> Oregon guy on the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, count me go, go Ducks. Quack, quack. <laughs> yeah, they've got, a, they've got a really good team. Um, you've mentioned a lot of the, the main, the main uh, protagonists. Um, Noah Soul as well. Um, Penai's brother, who's just coming in as a freshman, should be playing a bit of linebacker. Uh, next to another five-star, Justin Flo. Maybe not starting every, every game, but they'll be really exciting linebacker duo in the Pac-12 for the foreseeable future, you know, a couple of years at least. Um, the, 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 the main reason where they're going to fall down really is Tyler Shuck. Um, very inexperienced, massive drop-off from Justin Herbert, um, obviously missing Sewell as well. So it's going to be one of those where it's going to be quite difficult, obviously getting the ball out quick, using Videl out the backfield, which he's you know, well capable of. Um, and then, you know, trying, trying to get Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red to kind of get yards after the catch really. But I think we're going to lean on the D Quite a lot, actually. Yeah. I think that's going to be the, the, the side of the ball that um, that does kind of lead that team almost in a way. It's a shame they've been hit with quite a lot of opt-outs, um, probably for more social justice reasons rather than um, COVID reasons. To be honest, we've been very vocal in the uh, Let Us Play um, initiative and in, in Black Lives Matter as well. Thomas Graham, Javon Holland, um, Brady Breeze, very, very vocal on social media about you know, social um, rights and uh, social movements such as Black Lives Matter. Um, so yeah, they, they're kind of losing quite a lot of those three guys off from the secondary as well. So a couple of safeties and Thomas Graham being a corner, and Dio Midori Le Noir as well. Opted back in though, so he's going to be a boon for this Oregon team coming out. So yeah, no, really good, really good shout. Really a lot of good players. Um, whether Tyler Shuck can get them over the top, you know, maybe mm. to be seen. I think they'll make it to the championship game because I think they're a class of the north. To be honest with you, um, a lot of teams in transition, a lot of teams lost a lot of good players. Um, but yeah, I don't think they will be able to overcome USC for me anyway. And that's, that's what I'm going to be saying for the Pac-12 for this year. So I'm going to talk about Utah. Um, my player doesn't come from Utah. That I want to mention as a very interesting player in the Pac-12 South. But I want to mention another team, Utah. Utah should be good again. Um, we mentioned USC, we mentioned Arizona State. And I think that'll be the kind of three best teams in the South. And in weeks three and four, the Utes get to play at the Trojans and the Sun Devils on back-to-back weeks. So it'll be a kind of gut check. Um, for all three, really, as they kind of go through that little schedule of each other. But why do I like the Utes this year? Well, unlike a lot of the top teams out West, they haven't actually suffered with a lot of opt-outs. So I don't think they've actually lost one top player to an opt-out. They've actually got a better QB as well due to incoming transfers as well. I say better. I guess he's slightly better. It's Jake Bentley, who's come over from South Carolina and will replace Tyler Huntley. 
I guess where the Utah Utes have lost a lot of talent is from the draft. The draft hurt them quite a lot. They lost Jalen Johnson. He went to the Bears in second round, having a good season so far. Lucky Foto, uh, Justin Blackman, uh, sorry, not Justin Blackman, Julian Blackman, excuse me. Rob, you'll be familiar with him. Safety gone to your Colts and Bradley and I as well. <clears throat> so lost a lot of talent and, um, you know, a lot of good talent that's performing quite well as well. And Zach Moss has also gone to Buffalo in the uh, middle rounds and he's I think he's got his first touchdown on the weekend actually so um lots of lots of good players coming out of Utah and doing pretty well in the uh, in the NFL now however I do feel like Kyle Whittingham going into his 16th season I think he'll he's got them really well drilled and I think he'll have them really really well drilled again never the flashiest team but generally very very good and Kyle Whittingham is kind of like a Nick Saban kind of thing for Utah. You know, he's kind of been there. He's done it. He's got the T-shirt. He's had a couple of cycles now, which includes the 2008 national title yeah, with Utah. So, you know, lots of lots of good players have come through there. Lots of work very well. Coach players have come through there. And I think they're going to be they're going to be really good again. Um, my player, it's not my player who I want to mention and mention specifically, but, you know, maybe for fantasy, if anyone's kind of chucking in Pac-12 players um, in, a, you know, in a league or chucking in Pac-12 players just in general to sort of boost up their league, watch out for Brant Keith, a tight end um, out of Utah. He used to be a running back um, and now they've converted him into a tight end. So it's a bit of an unusual transition, but you can definitely see it in him. He's super athletic and when he's got the ball in his hands, you can definitely see that, that running back in him. So yeah, he's um he's one to watch out for me and Utah are my team to watch out for. The player that I want to mention is quite an interesting player um, out of Stanford, Davis Mills, the quarterback. He was KJ Costello's backup, would you believe, for a very long time. I know, obviously, got given a shout out, um, but he's he's not played a great deal. He's a senior and he's only played a handful of games. Um, kind of the sort of player that you get on the Madden um, the Madden kind of mode where you kind of build your player, where you come in for like the last couple of games. That's kind of Davis Mills in real life. You know, he's one of these players that's stuck around, not played a great deal, very accurate, bit of a rhythm thrower, um, and pretty fearless with the football as well. So likes to zip it in there. Um, he was very, very highly recruited. He was the number 15 overall player in the 2017 recruiting class and managed to stay in California and go to Stanford. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see how he does this year because he's not a player that we've seen a great deal of. Um, but he's definitely an interesting player. Don't think he's going to be a high draft pick by any means if he does come out and doesn't transfer. But he's definitely going to be an interesting player. It should be pretty good for Stanford coming in this year as they kind of prop up the lower reaches of the South, I feel. But he can he can be the class apart. Kevin, did you want to come in there on my Utah shout or Davis Mills shout? Uh, it was uh, Yeah, it's about Stanford, actually. I mean, we saw... Especially when KJ Costello was there, it was it just seemed like a tumultuous situation for the entire quarterback room. And David Shaw, the head coach, didn't really know what to do. Like he couldn't, he didn't let anyone get into a rhythm, and he was constantly switching between him and Costello. And it, it just it felt like a bad situation for both quarterbacks to be in. That mm. they, they could definitely thrive if they have a guy. Um, I can't speak to their recruiting. I don't know who they've recruited this year, but it looks like this, you know, if you've got a senior and he can, if he can manage a game well, then you can win games. It's just whether they're going to be able to thrive with this kid under center. I mean, obviously he's, you know, fourth year senior or whatever, but mm. yeah, it's a tough situation. And hope, like you said, he is a rhythm thrower. And once he gets into a groove, he can really start hitting them. But you know, I don't like Stanford this year. I think I think they've got um, they got some recruiting to do uh, to to whereas they can be what they were maybe you know when they had the likes of Richard Sherman and stuff ten plus years ago. Mm. Yeah, Andy, did you want to come in there? You had to hand up a little bit. Yes, man. I was just going to mention uh, the Utah offensive line, which I think has currently got like four draftable pieces on. If I, mm. uh, if I'm probably being a tiny bit optimistic, but Nick Ford, Orlando Umana, uh, Bama Daly, Olasini, and that's how you pronounce the name, Rob. I can I can tell you, jealous <laughs> mate, and uh, and Simi Moala. Um, Man, they're just like big guys and they all look really, really solid. And if you're watching any of Zach Moss's tape from last year, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's constant gaps for them to punch into and just really solid in keeping the quarterback upright as well. So there's a really good, really good talent there. And they've just got a lot of returning guys who can help them put together a bit of a push, maybe overthrow USC and in, in that half of the division. So, yeah, uh, in, interesting little little group there, which uh, which we always like to look at in terms of 
draft stock and stuff. And it's quite, I just, I just, I've just got into watching uh, O line tape a lot lately. So it's quite me- mesmerizing watching just big dudes just, <laughs> just shove people out of the way. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think you're right. I think I kind of missed that out. But yeah, and I think you're right. There's, there's very, very well, well drilled route. Uh, Unit, should I say, and then they uh, kind of epitomise that around the team, and it comes from the offensive line. And like you say, they've kind of boosted Zach Moss up and, and did the dirty work for him up front. So yeah, definitely a part of the evaluation that's going to be going forward. But yeah, you have you've got into all the line tape, haven't you? Recently, you've been talking about uh, a few a few units for us uh, last few weeks. I don't know what it is, man. I just like I think it was mainly I, I was actually watching Robert Hunt tape a lot last year. This was even before the Dolphins drafted him, but. I just like, it's just funny, isn't it, sometimes when you see these guys who must dominate most weeks and they just come up against like a unit O-line, man, <laughs> and you just see them just kind of break against the wall like a wave sort of thing. It's, like, <laughs> it's just, it's good to watch, man, I like it. Mm. Especially when you get someone super athletic like, uh, you know, Mackay Beckton or, yeah, Tristan Wirth's over from last year as well. Go on, Kieran, what were you going to say? Just to add in to what Andy says, O-line tape is a lot of fun. Like, obviously, last year I had... Oh, it's not going to be good if I forget his name. Who's the Broncos <laughs> centre? I probably uh, should Lloyd forget Cushenbury. an LSU player's <laughs> name. Yes, Lloyd Cushenbury. Uh, mesmerising to watch on O-line tape because his arms are so bloody long. He, he, he looks, you know, seeing the hand fighting and the kick sets and stuff, it is very, very interesting to watch, especially with a guy like Lloyd who has arms longer than my entire body. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, there's some definitely freak athletes around on the offensive lines around college football that make the way into the NFL and then everyone else gets on the hype. So we're always first, which is great. I think we've all pretty much said our Pac-12 championship game, haven't we, all the whole way through. Rob, who did you think that Oregon were going to beat? I don't think we got that. The USC for yourself as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I like USC. Um, mm. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm actually going to watch more Pac-12 this year. That's one thing that I've got on my to-do list for, for college football. Um, Especially if you're getting some late nights in with the newborn. Yeah, see, that's the problem. That is, that is you put the, the nail on the head there with um, <laughs> uh, with, <laughs> with uh, why I haven't watched much Pac-12, because it's usually on late, so don't get to mm. catch much of it. Um, but I will this year, promise. <laughs> Go on, Andy. My championship game is going to is a bit different. It's going to be USC beating the Cow Bears and... Uh, that's a bit different there, and I'll tell you why. Starting in the cornerback room with Elijah Hicks and Cameron Bynum, two very good cornerbacks there. I also really like Chris Brown running back as well. Absolutely, like heavy mm. hitting, gets the yardage every week. And then uh, Chase Garbers, uh, Garbers, uh, quarterback as well, yeah, up and coming. Looked really good. It looks really good in places. Watch a bit of tape on him. Um, and just kind of, uh, let, let me sell it to you this way, right? Um uh, I wrote down my notes. If you've got entire starting offensive line, your top running back, your top receiver, a quarterback who's undefeated last season in games that he started and finished, and four all-conference players from one of the best defences in the conference, why won't they get to the uh, conference game? They've definitely been bubbling under for a couple of years. Um, obviously, you know, they're with a good shout as good as any, I would say. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's one of those, isn't it, where Oregon have kind of dominated the North for quite a while, but they've been bubbling under. Obviously, you know, Washington have been better, but they're not as good these this season, this coming season. Um, and you know, Oregon State have lost a couple of players as well, so they won't be won't be too great. But yeah, no, I like the shout. Coney Deng as well, the linebacker is a player that I really like. Rob, sorry, gone you and Tim. Did you just say the running back's name is Chris Brown? I think it's Christopher Brown Jr. He's probably kept the kept he's the kept, name. He's kept the Christopher in there for all the old purpose, hasn't he? All right. So yeah, Chris Brown can run it, run it. He's gonna run, run it. <laughs> but Oregon ASU is what I've got for the Pac-12 championship game. I think it'd be mm-hmm. an interesting one. Uh, and just more to Rob, he he named his daughter Georgia, so of course she she won't go quietly. <laughs> anytime she's not just good she's not, she won't just lay down and go to sleep she'll be a problem in your side for a while <laughs> how long have you had that one prepared <laughs> ever <laughs> since he named his daughter georgia i've been like <laughs> why it just i i think even subconsciously he was like i'm just going to annoy kira do you know, with this. no do you know what the best <laughs> right so so just going off on a slight tangent here like I said to my missus, jokingly, a couple of months ago, I said, I really like the name Indy. And she's <laughs> like, do you know what? I really like that. And I'm like, 
nice she didn't twig what i was like it was i was joking right and it went for ages and it got to the point where we were genuinely deciding between georgia and indy and then she kind of realized at the end she was like wait indy you've got a t-shirt that says indy on it i was like ah uh, yeah that's yeah the colts in it and she went we're not calling our daughter after the colts football team <laughs> so we've named her after the bulldogs instead <laughs> <laughs> If you've got any other, you know, if you've named a few children after any of the teams, give us a shout at Fulton Yard CFB and we'll, we'll give you a shout out on next week's pod. Just to clarify, she's not named after the <laughs> No, we didn't think that at all. Um, so, yeah, no, obviously come to an end there. You know, we've got a few Pac-12 shouts. Obviously, if you're looking forward to staying up late on a Saturday evening, Pac-12 is your place to be. Pac-12 after dark, get on the hashtag. Uh, and also, you know, as Kieran said before, get on the Bo- Firebo Polini hashtag as well. Do it for our boy. And we need to get him out by the sounds of things. He's not happy at all um, about his defensive coordinator. Um, last thing, Vim, before we just get out of here, got to give a few shout-outs, give a few handles out. And also, before we do that, I'm going to just draw everyone's attention to our competition. We need to give away this Vaughn Miller jersey. Um, we're going to give it away at 350 followers. We've gone up to about 322, so not even that long to go now before I can send this out to someone. So see our page, Fulton Yard CFB on Twitter. Um, have a look at it, retweet, follow, and you're in the draw. And then it'll be drawn at random as soon as we hit 350. So hopefully in the next week or so, we'll be able to give that away to someone, maybe announce it next week's pod. Boys, we'll come to you for a few shout-outs then. Kieran, tell us what you've got in the works and uh, also tell us where we can find you as well. Uh, at DCCYT Football on Twitter and Dust Cover Cleats on Instagram. Working on a couple things right now. The Pat McAfee, who is episode, just sort of trying to figure out a way to fit that into 15 minutes. That man has had a very interesting career. <laughs> I uh, just want, he's, awesome. he's the only person who's ever played at India. I can actually stand besides <laughs> Darius Leonard uh, and Okariki. Um, but I will actually give a massive shout out to Lee and Andy for helping me out with Kieran's corner this week. That was actually a great episode, even though we only got one of the picks, right guys, we, we, we sort of, drop the ball there but I think that's kind of a theme with Kieran's corner we pick the obvious winners <laughs> and then they somehow mess it up thanks Justin Herbert thanks very happy. I'm very thanks happy. Miami defense for making me look like a bloody moron <laughs> but you know the, pa- fault, let's be honest. <laughs> it was the, the, yeah, the Patriots never let me down and we got absolutely molly whopped by a substandard <laughs> Bills team so thank you to my Patriots for helping me out there but yeah thank you guys for coming on really helpful and had a lot of great comments about you guys you know add, added more about your teams yeah, man, it was good. It was really good. I think I echo Andy and I sentiments together that we, we really enjoyed coming on and it was it was a longer corner, but it was definitely worth it. Um, you know, to get that extra content in and to get that well, I won't say expert opinion, because obviously we've got the, the games wrong, but um give us some more opinion, let's say, um, from both of us. Um so yeah, no looking forward to Kieran's corner. Obviously, I'll be with you on Saturday um before the games come out. Um before the NFL games come out, sorry, I should I say. Andy, what have you got in the works for us and where can we find you? AJ Moore 21 and Dolphin underscore pod as well. But um, yeah, I think uh, Rob and I are going to work on a, a mock draft uh, this week, aren't we, mate? So uh, yeah, that'll be um, something to look forward to next week. And Lee, I think you're getting involved as well, maybe even Kieran. But I wanted to talk about uh, next week. We've seen a, f- a few knocking about now and a few bold, uh, um, bold selections early in rounds by uh, the by the so-called experts. So yeah, we're going to get involved and, and have a go at that. And, and obviously, the, the winners and losers column is a, a weekly thing where uh, I don't forget slash don't get bogged under with lockdowns and other fantastic <laughs> announcements, which <laughs> just get briefed to the press instead for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was good to, it was good to bring that back. I enjoyed putting together this week's uh, this week's one with you. So it was really good. Sweet. Um, yeah, so we've got to have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a mock draft episode. Rob, why don't you tell us about this? Because it was your kind of baby, this wasn't it, in the group chat earlier on this week? Yeah, I just thought a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, I guess, we did a, a very mm. early doors um, mock draft, didn't we? Where we each sort of had a team each and we, we picked. So I thought, well, why not this time? Why don't we all do a full mock draft and then we can kind of come on and either... On, on this regular pod or do a, a one-off sort of special, whatever we, we can do and discuss it and just go through, look, who do we think uh, certain players are going to go to? Where are the sort of draws at the moment? Now we know a little bit more of where the NFL teams are likely going to be finishing. You know, Jets are going to be a top five pick, probably a top three pick. Let's not, let's call a spade a spade. They're going to be the number one over pick, aren't they? So, mm. 
um, you know, now we've got a bit more information with that, uh, we can start to put put pieces in, in places potentially. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, watch out for that one. We'll have plenty of uh, draft content coming up this week and also after it. Sorry, mate. Also, while um, while we're here, I just want to set the tone for the weekend because Notre Dame <laughs> are going up against Clemson. We're going to win. We're going to bring it back. Come on, boys. Get up for it. <laughs> this is it. This is our game. We'll have to, we'll have to, he just cost us quite a bit of money to dropkick Murphy's there. We'll have to send him some royalties <laughs> money for, for that one. It was only 10 on seconds, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we'll obviously we'll be previewing that next week. Uh, obviously the game of the week coming up, Notre Dame versus Clemson in the ACC. So yeah, uh, yeah, thanks to you guys. And also, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see, oh, sorry, go on, last minute entry. Yeah, just a bit of breaking news, which won't be breaking by Wednesday, but uh, Ole Miss tight end Demarcus Thomas has been airlifted to hospital. Uh, He got hit in practice today and was left without any feeling in his body, uh, says Lane Kiffin. So he's just been airlifted and uh, prayers for that young man because that's a terrible thing to go through for a football player. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, that's yeah going to be like say old news by the time this comes out. But hopefully, he'll have made a recovery by Wednesday when this hits the airwaves. So yeah, like you say, yeah, prayers up and thoughts for for the young man. Um, so yeah, God, that's a bit of a bombshell to drop us on, isn't it? As we're just end- ending the podcast. But yeah, no, like I said, thanks for listening. Uh, you'll be hearing from us next week and also seeing lots of content come out from from the, all four of us and all five of us, including Liam as well. So yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.